0: Season Librarian Podcast. My name is Dean Jones, and this is Season 9, Episode 4. This is also the fourth episode in a week of Hanukkah-related themed um, episodes, and I hope you're enjoying it so far. Um, it's been a really great time revisiting some of these um, past episodes and encore presentations, and I've really liked getting to go back and kind of walk down memory lane. This um interview is with Kim Kushner, who has a website, Modern Table, and also has um, you know many book, cookbooks out, including one called Modern Table, which deal with kosher cooking, but not just kosher cooking, also with kind of a healthful take using uh, local produce and vegetables. Uh, I really enjoyed getting a, talk, a chance to talk to Kim. She was very charming and knowledgeable, and uh, I loved getting a chance to talk about her work. Um, Um, Without further ado, I'm going to take you right to the conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, If you get a chance, we have links up to her website and links to her her latest cookbook, uh, Modern Table. Uh, Check those out. You're going to really enjoy them. And here we go. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm talking to author Kim Kushner, who is a teacher and author of three best-selling cookbooks. Raised in Montreal, Canada, Kim learned to cook at an early age from her Moroccan-born mother and in Montreal, where she was raised and spent summers with her family in Israel. Kim, I want to welcome you to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's it's, it's a pleasure. Um, Now, for our listeners who are not familiar with your work, can you give a, a brief intro in your own words?
1: Sure. So my name is Kim Kushner, and I have been teaching people how to cook for the last 15 years. And through that time, I've also published four cookbooks. Um, My style of cuisine is very simple. I really believe less is more. I know nobody has a lot lot of time. So uh, my recipes are simple, straightforward, but always flavorful, seasonal, um, and beautiful. And another thing to note is that my recipes are kosher. But what I like to say is, They just happen to be kosher. So these are recipes that really anybody can cook with. And these are books anybody can cook from. And the recipes happen to be kosher, but they're also fresh, seasonal, delicious, and beautiful.
0: With many of my guests, I like to talk about the memories they have growing up and the cooking instruction they received from their families. I myself got a lot of cooking instruction from my grandmother, and I have many fond memories of those. Do you have any memories about learning to cook from your mother or grandmother when you were young and what kind of foods were you taught to cook?
1: Sure, absolutely. I think actually my entire um, cooking career is based on my childhood and all of my best memories happened around the table. My mother, who was born in Morocco and grew up in Israel and then later immigrated to Montreal, Canada, is continues to be a terrific cook, but more than that, she's an excellent hostess. And we were always having people join us gathering around our table. She cooks a lot of traditional Moroccan and uh, Middle Eastern style foods, but as she got older and, you know, created this light in montreal canada she also took on flavors and um, cultures, foods and from different cultures and flavor profiles and she always dabbled in different areas of cuisine and i certainly was a huge inspiration for me
0: you've worked in many different facets of food Um, did you always know that was going to be the case for you or did you have to think about this a bit
1: I definitely had to think there was a lot of trial and error. Um, I worked in a few restaurants. It wasn't for me. I have so much respect for people who work in restaurants. It was too high stress for me. And the physical labor was too intense. Um, I worked as a private chef in homes and that Private homes, and that was great until I started a family of my home and I, of my own, and I wanted to be home for nights and weekends. Um, but really, what I enjoyed the most was teaching cooking classes, and it's still what I enjoy doing the most. I do a lot of privates, I do a lot of groups, and um, just helping people find confidence in the kitchen is something I really, really find rewarding.
0: We've had a few guests on the program who are um, alumni of the Institute of Culinary Education in Manhattan. Which is a very esteemed school Uh, what was that like going to this school for you
1: it was a wonderful incredible experience that i'm very grateful for it was extremely eye-opening uh many of the people in my course were starting these were this was a second career for them so they were older than i and i i really had a lot of admiration for people who picked up you know at a point in their lives when you would expect them to be settled and they decided they wanted to go this new route and it was very very um serious school like it's not a joke they're very serious about it um you're you're really trained according to french cuisine um there's a lot of respect in the kitchen and i really did learn a lot
0: you uh have worked doing much much food writing over the years you've done recipes and articles for such publications as food and wine and chili pepper magazines Um, In 2005, you launched Kim Kushner Cuisine, where you began teaching cooking classes. Tell us about this period of your life.
1: So um, this was a time when uh, I was hosting a lot of dinner parties at home and I was meeting a lot of people and I would invite people over for for drinks and and food and meals. And I would find that people would always say to me, wow, I can't believe you made that. Can you teach me how? And there really was an interest in um, individuals learning how to cook and how to entertain and how to host. And that's really how it started. So I got a small group together and I did the first one. It was word of mouth. There was no social media back then. And then, uh, you know, other people would call me and we'd get another group together and so on. Um, And that's really how it grew. And then I ended up renting a space and teaching cooking classes out of the space. Um, But I also found that people loved it when I came into their homes to show them how, you know, I would go to apartments in Manhattan and people would say, I've never even turned the oven on. I don't know how to turn it on. So people like having the cooking classes in their own space um, and learning how to work with what they have. So that was another aspect of it. And it really grew from there. At the end of every class, people would say, you know, do you have a book? And I didn't at the time. And that's where the seed was planted that I would start to compile my recipes for the book. So I always say with my cookbooks that the cookbook was created for the recipes. It wasn't that the recipes are created for the book the recipes were already there. They're tried and true. They've been tested many times. And then the book was created to house them.
0: Now that leads me to ask, um, so many of your recipes deal with kosher cuisine. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you for the listeners who are not familiar with the term, what does that mean? And how does that affect your recipe writing and your cooking in this, in this aspect?
1: Right. So I think there's a misconception. Kosher Kosher cooking and kosher recipes and kosher food really refers to a set of dietary laws that need to be followed in order for the food to be deemed kosher. Kosher food is sometimes thought of as a kosher cuisine or a kosher style, where people would think that, you know, pastrami on rye or knishes, that's kosher food. But really, that's kosher style or kosher um, Jewish cuisine. Whereas kosher as... um, as a nutritional or as a set of guidelines, it really just refers to certain things according to the Bible that can and cannot be eaten. For example, we don't mix dairy product with meat product or we don't eat shellfish. Um, but for the most part, there is so much that we can eat. And that's what I always focus on. I don't focus on what we can eat. I like to work with the abundance of what we can use, um, fresh seasonal ingredients, delicious produce, meats, fish for the most part and I just focus on making taking what we can use and making it as good as possible
0: you talk about seasonal um cooking a lot and I really like that I think a lot of people now are looking to that right now I think that's becoming something that we're all really wanting in reflection to holidays and special times how does that kind of play into that for cooking
1: You know what, I always like to um, base my cooking on what is available and what is highest quality. So um, I won't cook a certain recipe because it's that holiday time. I'll try to use what's available and what's at its peak and then make it apply to the holiday. So let's say, you know, let's say you're talking about Thanksgiving, it's already the fall, so the root vegetables are available, that works well. But I'm not gonna try to make you know, a berry pie at Thanksgiving time. It's gonna be apple, it's gonna be um, pear, it's gonna be fruit that are more readily available at that time, what could be citrus as well.
0: I've been lucky enough to have guests that are um, doing seasonal cooking for Jewish holidays over the course of the year. And what's really cool is that people are from different areas like they could be from australia they could be from california they could be from the east coast what are some of the different things you've seen and like variations of that that always kind of impresses you
1: well i'm so inspired by um food and techniques and recipes from around the world and i've been lucky to travel to many places and even without the travel connecting with people on social media from all different parts of the world. And it certainly does inspire me. Um, I think that there are always going to be incredible ingredients, spices, um, aromatics available. And it's true, different places have different things available. What is seasonal is different dependent on where you live. Uh, When I traveled to Australia, um, it was the, it was the early fall here, and it was already feeling chilly there. And we were there for a Shabbat dinner. It wasn't a holiday, but I remember that my cousin there made a beautiful pulled, slow cooked pulled lamb dish that she um, used pomegranate seeds and lots and lots of fresh herbs. And I made i va- I've used a variation of that recipe in one of my books, so it certainly is inspiring to travel, um, or to speak to people from different places and learn about. What they're using and how they're using it in the kitchen.
0: This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture and human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorcal.org. Your first book, um, A Modern Menu, under the Kosher Cookbook Series, number three, was published in two thousand and thirteen. This is this is your first book, as far as I can see. Um, what what was that like for you? To and and how did you how did you like the books coming out and, and how it was received?
1: Um, that was a, an incredible experience. I had set out to write a cookbook, and I took a bunch of courses on how to pitch a cookbook proposal and I spoke to many people and most of the people who I came across said to me it's a great idea but nobody's going to publish your book you're not famous you don't have a platform um, but you know you can do it for fun so I thought you know what why not I'll work on this as a personal project and I was about three quarters of the way through and I was writing a blog at the time when blogs were really really hot and I received a phone call from a publisher who said I heard you're writing a cookbook and we want to publish it. Um, And they basically gave me a lot of creative freedom to do it the way that I wanted to. A very good friend of mine, who's a wonderful photographer, Andrew Zuckerman, comes to my house all the time, eats my food. And when he heard I was... Do working on this project he said to me I'll shoot the book and I was that was just such an honor and it was very modern it was very clean it was very different than any kosher cookbook had ever been before that time because the focus was really on the photography was just exceptional and the pages were very white the ingredient lists were short the instructions were short it was just simple clean kosher cuisine and I was really happy with the outcome
0: Now your second book was, so, I mean, obviously it was well-received because you had many more offers to write more books and you wrote in 2015, the new kosher, simple recipes to savor and share. Tell us about this book and how this experience is different for you.
1: Sure. So what had happened was I took my first cookbook, the modern menu, I took it everywhere with me and I would walk into bookstores and I would walk into grocery stores and I would say, this is my cookbook. Here are two copies." put them in the store. And if they sell, call me and I'll bring more. And people were very receptive. And I took that first cookbook to Williams-Sonoma and they had never carried a kosher cookbook before. And they said to me, sure, well, you know, we'll try it out. And it sold. And it was the first time they had put out a kosher cookbook on like a Jewish holiday table. And then uh, they, at the time, I'm not sure if they still do, they worked with a publishing house who published most of their Uh, lifestyle and cookbooks. Well, it was a well known at the time. And I received a phone call and they said to me, we want to do a first kosher title. And so that's where the new kosher came to be.
0: Very nice. Now, I'm really eager to talk about I heart kosher beautiful recipes from my kitchen, which was very well received. This was in 2018. And it had a focus on fresh seasonal vegetables for quick, easy cooking for families. Can we talk about this a bit? bit? Because I think this was, you know, very popular book.
1: Yes. So this was really an extension of the new kosher, where people, I think, were beginning to understand this concept of kosher does not need to be thought of as it once was. We know better. We do better. We have healthier options. We're going to use them. And it was just very simple, everyday recipes. It was very well received. I I did tons of promotion for the book. It got a lot of traction and people really loved it.
0: Now, your newest book came out last month, The Modern Table. And it's out as of this airing and i'm going to put links to it in the bio for people listening um i read in an interview where you said that this is a book you always wanted to write can we talk about this
1: mm-hmm. yes um th- that's true this is a book that i always wanted to write because i love cooking um i love creating in my kitchen i I love testing out different recipes, but more than anything else, I love gathering people around food. I love creating beautiful settings. I love all the details that go into it. I love, you know, creating gourmet gifts. I love setting a personalized table. I love inviting people into my space. And so this book, The Modern Table, really combined my passion for cooking and entertaining into one book. And over the years, as I've hosted so many events, the one thing that I've heard over and over again is, Kim, how do you do it so that you enjoy yourself? You seem so at ease, you don't seem stressed out. And I think that through trial and error, I've really figured out a great formula for how to enjoy myself while hosting. And that's what I've put into the pages of this book. It's tips and tools and guidance. And I try to almost speak to my reader through the pages of the book and guide them on how to enjoy the hosting. Because at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying yourself, there's really no point.
0: You said that in um, The Modern Table, you wanted to present um, kosher cuisine in a contemporary light. Do you think people still have kind of a misconception about it and think of it as an old way of cooking?
1: I think it's begun to change quite a bit. So I think we're getting there. We've come a long way and there's still a way to go but I think people are now viewing um, kosher as something that is dietary rather than stylistic. So I think we are well on our way.
0: I mean, one thing I always see when I'm shopping is that I see um, symbols on food that'll say pareve or it'll say, I think the K image for kosher. And it kind of right. helps people see this is for, it's just food. It's the same food everybody eats. It's not right. other food you think that's kind of the misconception right. that it's some foreign food or different food, but it really is just everything we eat, right?
1: Yes, I do. And I've, I remember when I had this breakthrough a few years ago, um, and my neighbors came over for dinner and they were not Jewish. And I remember my neighbor, he took a bite of something and he closed his eyes and he said, this is kosher. <laughs> like he couldn't believe that it could be kosher and delicious. And I said, yeah, kosher just, you know, it, it just, means that I'm not cooking with certain ingredients, but you can make this at home, even if you're not kosher. And that's when I realized, you know, it's time to redefine kosher.
0: Who are some of your favorite food writers that you like to read that that you really enjoy?
1: So I love Adina Sussman is, is a dear friend. I think she's brilliant. Um, I am a big fan of the river cafe, uh, Ruth Ruth Rogers, and her partner, whose name is escaping me at this moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I love Nina, Nina Capri is wonderful. There are so many people that I've met, quote unquote, you know, through social media and who I follow and who I'm inspired by. Um, Claudia Rodin is a huge inspiration. Bonnie Stern is a Canadian. foodie, who is unbelievable. And Noreen Gillets, who's also a Canadian, is somebody whose cookbooks I grew up on and who was a huge inspiration to me as well.
0: I always like to talk to my guests about some iconic meals they've had throughout their lives. And you're very well-traveled. You've been all over the world. What are some of the iconic meals that you have that really have stuck with you through the years?
1: Right. So I think like eating a bowl of homemade pasta in a tiny little hole in the wall restaurant in Italy would be something that is extremely memorable. I love traveling to Israel and eating the food there. I feel like I've been experiencing the, the food revolution there and it is so incredible and outstanding, but really my favorite food is street food, traveling to countries and trying various street foods and seeing the real uh, originals and pioneers making these recipes that are so true to their culture and so honest and real and, and uncommercialized, um, can it's unparalleled.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Israel and I, I had been able to, ha- I have been lucky enough to have friends from Israel and we get to talk about food and I've been able to cook for them. And one thing that always impressed me is um, when talking about the food of Israel, it, I was mentioned, we talked about breakfast time and how Americans eat these stodgy, really carb laden breakfast. And my friend was saying, well, we eat salad for breakfast. Is that true?
1: Absolutely true. And it's so funny. My sister's visiting with me now. And I just made earlier this morning, I made us a big salad with avocado and cheese and spreads. But yeah, um, in the Israeli breakfast is many different salads and dips and spreads and olives and pickles and uh, less, definitely less carb heavy.
0: What, um, what is something you typically cook on any given day like you like kind of your go-to things you like to do
1: so I'll, I'll i'll often make a fresh crisp salad with fish i cook a lot of fish whether it's cooked or i even will prepare uh raw crudos um and i'll use i use a lot of lime lemon garlic um i like to cook even um you know simply grilled meat sliced steak with a nice salad or Whatever is seasonal or, or available. I have a vegetable garden at my beach. So I'm growing zucchini and peppers. I'll just put them on the grill or I'll eat them raw, just sea salt, lemon, olive oil, and some black pepper.
0: You know, you're you're from Canada, and I think that one of the things that's a real crime in America is many Americans, I feel, don't know much about Canada. Right. It, it just it's just right over the border, but many and it's funny because my wife and I, you know, love. We're kind of like fans of canada we we have a love affair with canada but we haven't been there and like our dream is like everybody's like oh I'm an, i want to go to europe i want to go to you know japan i'm like i'd like to go to canada and like it's a big country and there's so many different places to visit to be like visiting different countries what do you think is some of the misconceptions about food that we have like people talk about poutine endlessly which drives me crazy <laughs> but there's all kinds of foods in canada right i mean it's not there's just poutine. All-
1: yeah, there's all kinds of food because Canada is really a melting pot of different cultures. and those people who come bring their cultures and the um, amazing foods with them. And there's, there are different areas, just like if you came to New York, there's you know areas that are specifically like Little Italy or Chinatown is the same as in different places in Canada. and we have huge influences from all different cultures. and there's amazing Greek food. In Montreal, at least I can say, which I know well, there's amazing Greek food, there's a, a lot of Middle Eastern food, um, there's incredible Italian food, and the food scene in Montreal has also really come, it's, it's amazing, it's it's blown up, blown me away the last time I was there.
0: Now, I want to ask you one last question. Um, sure. I've been getting a chance to talk to you. For people who are gonna go out and see the Modern Table in bookstores, what's one recipe? I mean, I know this is like asking you who's your favorite child, but do you have one recipe from the Modern Table that you really wanna give a shout out to because it's so cool?
1: Well, I have one recipe that has gotten, a well, there are many recipes that got buzz, but there's one in particular, and it is a recipe for a, chewy chocolate chip cookie that is flourless. So it's like a gluten-free, um, it, the, the joy of it is that there's about four ingredients in the cookie and it takes 10 minutes to prepare and everybody loves this recipe. It was originally put in as a Passover recipe, but people are making this all year round and loving it. So it is the flourless, nutty chocolate chip cookie.
0: Um, I'm sold, I would get it just on that. <laughs> Kim, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. i really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you, and I hope we get a chance to talk
1: again. Thank you for having me. My pleasure.
0: That was my interview with author Kim Kirshner. This is an encore presentation for Hanukkah week. Check out um, Kim Kirschner's book, Modern Table. We have links to that on the bio. Also, her um, website, Kim Kushner Kosher Cooking. Check that out as well. Uh, it's a really great website and. Uh, her, you'll love her books. She has a really great take on kosher cooking with helpful, uh, local source produce um, techniques. So check that out. Tomorrow, we are going to have Emily Winston of Boitrick Bagels um, here on the program. She is the CEO of Boitrick Bagels, and it's a very successful, thriving business in the local Bay Area, making traditional bagels. And that means made by hand, made with human beings. Um... You're going to want to check that out tomorrow, and that will be the last episode on our Hanukkah week. I hope you're having a great week, and happy holidays, and if you celebrate happy Hanukkah, a very heartfelt, warm, happy Hanukkah to you and your family. Take care, all of you, and keep on cooking.